Hey everybody, this is your girl Shanti Das. Welcome to episode 15 of the Silence of Shame podcast. I'm here with my boy Free the Vision. Hey, what up? Free, can you believe we are 15 episodes uh, in? We're growing. God is good. Very. All right, let's get into it. So I'm excited. It's <laughs> National Mental Health Awareness Month. I feel like I got my Taj ready in my jersey and getting ready to get strapped up and prepared for National Silence of Shame Day. And guess what? I got the plaque in the mail. Hey, hey. we lit. We official. Speaking of lit, tell them all the good news, please. So after one year of doing all this good work with Jack and Jill and so many other wonderful organizations and people that have supported us and, of course, our wonderful Silence of Shame committee, May 5th is now a national day. Hey. So thank you to National Day Calendar for your support. And also we found out today that the city of Baltimore is going to be recognizing May 5th and Silence of Shame Day. They're actually going to light the dome at City Hall in Baltimore in green. Oh, man. In honor of National Silence of Shame Day. And they're sending us a proclamation. And so we're literally lit. We're grateful. I know ATL is going <laughs> to support and step up. So uh, we're excited. And then the city of Toronto reached out to us and they want us to come and start doing some programming nice. around mental health for people of color in Canada. Mm-hmm. So we're going global, baby. We're yes. definitely going global. So we ain't going nowhere. We're here to stay. Um, but I I am just so excited. We have some wonderful, wonderful guests in the studio today. And then another great guest that's going to be calling in shortly. I am just really humbled that this young lady agreed to be a part of our platform. I had the good fortune of meeting her probably in the last three to four years, maybe. She did a lot of work for her father's foundation. But now, I mean, obviously she's been a force in her own right and in everything that she's done from a philanthropic standpoint and entertainment. But let's welcome to the show Miss Brandy Harvey. She's the whoop, founder whoop. of Beyond Her, which is her new website, and she is a holistic and wellness advocate. Hey, hey Brandy. How are you? Uh, welcome to a the show. It's a pleasure to be here. How you doing? Wonderful. Wonderful. It's such an honor to have you here. And we're going to talk about some important stuff and hopefully we can share and peel back these layers and help a lot of people out there absolutely so thank you again also to my right free your left Mm -hmm. we have dr ayana abrams and you guys um, are already familiar with her from her partnership with silence to shame back in february when we did the giants panel discussion and you know you you have been seen by forty thousand people online okay Mm -hmm. shout out to nicole kane and the entire team at exo nicole for posting that entire panel and as you mentioned um, earlier before we started taping, we still get people still, talking about that. I still have people sliding in my DMs like, listen, I just <laughs> caught this and it was amazing. Thank you. That's a good DM. Exactly. That's a great DM. That's a welcome slide. That's a welcome slide. Don't slide in my DMs like, hey, girl, don't do that. That's so weird. So I love weird. it. I love it. Um, so just, I just want to thank you for your Absolutely. brilliance, your excellence. And it doesn't hurt that you went to my alma mater. It doesn't Syracuse. hurt. Syracuse. But that's another conversation. We'll, we'll leave that for oh, another day. Oh, that's we cute. We're going to buy y'all with that that's today. Cute. But yes. Yeah, no, we bleed orange. orange. You cut us and orange Always. blood comes yes. out. But it's um, cool. O-H-I-O. <laughs> no doubt. Ohio State. So today, um, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about self-care. And the title of it is Got Self-Care. Remember the, the Got Milk campaign? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's so much going on in the world right now, and even as it relates to mental health and wellness, the importance of, you know, seeing a psychiatrist or psychologist if you need to, 
but also being able to take care of yourself and really mm-hmm. truly understanding what self-care is. And that's why I'm really just so excited about the Beyond Her platform, because I think it talks a lot about self-care, especially for women. We do know that that is a safe place and space um, for women. And so we wanted to just talk to you today, Brandy, about what self-care means to you and then kind of peel back some of those layers of the importance of self-care when you're unmasking, you know, trauma from a childhood perspective. Yeah. So, Brandy, when did you realize that you were battling with childhood abandonment? You know what? It was it's funny because, you know, when you're growing up as a black child, (laughs) um, you know, you are told just get over it. We don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. Like those are white people problems, you Mm -hmm. know, like we don't have time to be dealing with that. I remember being in college and I was like, I told my dad, I was like, I need therapy. Like, and he was like, therapy, that is for white people. Really? He was like, we don't have time for that. Black people get over their problems. Come on now. And it, it cemented in my mind that what I was dealing with was not a problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. It cemented in my mind that, like this every this happens to everybody like everybody's father leaves them at some point in their life and you just get over it and mm-hmm. everybody has had things that have affected their self-esteem whether it be things that are said to you through your family through your friends in school things that make you question who you are what you believe mm-hmm. how you look mm-hmm. and you don't think that any of this is ever a problem until you get real grown and then you're trying to get in relationships and you wonder why all your relationships are like super like crazy it's either super dramatic they're very or they're emotionally unavailable or they are just unavailable and you wonder why you are attracting these type of relationships well it made me like the first time at 27 um it was like okay, something is not right here. You know what I'm saying? I knew I had this calling on my life. I knew God was like really calling me to go higher Mm -hmm. and elevate higher and bring people to him, right? Mm -hmm. But I really didn't know how to do that because I was still so freaking scarred. Mm -hmm. I was carrying so many things from childhood because I really didn't understand that, you know, my father not being present in my life for my adolescent, like from like maybe six or seven years old, mm-hmm. not being in my house, you know, and us not really having a relationship. I can count on my one hand how many times I saw him in high school. And now that, is that because of a, a divorce? Right. It was because yes. of divorce. Right. And it's a critical age. It yeah. was critical age. It was divorce. It was, you know, not understanding that my parents had their own shit, you know, mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. were going through. And but really me taking it on to say that it was something that I did. You know, like you take that on as a a child, you know, you say, well, what did I do? Am I not lovable enough? Am I not good enough? Am I not special enough? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not talented enough? Like, why doesn't my father want to be around me or why isn't he in my life? And we started forging a relationship when I was in college you know, really forging a closer relationship. And my Mm -hmm. father was always there for me financially. There was never a point that my father was never, that was always his way of showing Mm -hmm. his love. You know, was I'm there for you. Like, look, you're taking care of you. Right, you're providing for You have a car, you Mm -hmm. went to college with no loans. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. look at you. Right, right, right. You got more than these other black people. You are like, you are are rolling. You know what I'm saying? You are set. You know, and so 
But when I got in my 20s and I and I really started to look at how God was calling my life and it was just like, but I'm scarred. I just I have all these things that I'm going through. I didn't realize that the drinking that I was picking up so heavily mm-hmm. was was really trying to mask the fact that I was hurt, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, you know, we self-medicate. I mean, meditate, you know, <laughs> what Chris, what Chris say. Um, but, you know, um, it wasn't until like um, we started implementing counselors into our mentoring program um and that was in 2012 and that was through the foundation through the your foundation. dad's foundation okay. yeah okay. through the steve harvey mentoring program okay i was you know looking at all these families that were coming in we had 100 families at a time single moms and boys coming into the program and i was you know constantly bombarded by like i was like why do we do the things that we do? Mm-hmm. Why are we living the way that we live? And it forced me to read Dr. Joy DeGruy's book on post-traumatic slave syndrome. I talk about it all yes. the time. And when I read post-traumatic slave syndrome, because I was looking for something to help somebody else. Yes, yeah. right. Because, right. of course, I didn't need no help. Because <laughs> yeah. You was taken good. care of. I was great. I had. Yeah. I was. I was in school. I. I had graduated. I was living yeah. a great life. I had a good career. I was making six figures. Like I lived a nice life. Mm-hmm. What could you complain about? But isn't it interesting how God places things in your life and your path that you weren't right. looking for? That you, you weren't. Right. No you weren't idea. looking here for yourself. Right. You Correct. were like, girl, I gotta go get somebody else, save <laughs> somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But really, in me finding out, like reading post traumatic slave syndrome and us like implementing counselors into our program. Program, it forced me to start sitting down with the counselors while I was at camp because I didn't realize that I was taking on all their yes. stuff. Yes. I was ingesting all of that. I was I was regurgitating out. I didn't know why I was angry. I didn't know why I was feeling the certain ways that I was feeling. And so and you were holding people's trauma. I was holding so, their trauma yep. and then yeah. mixing and mingling it with my um, own trauma. Yes. Yep. And so I, I have a brief question because you said that when you went to your father and you asked about needing therapy before in college right in college but the the irony is that it ends up going into the it helps other people in the um foundation that in the mentoring right in mentoring so like indirectly you ended up having to get it was he against like putting it into oh no you know uh, once i took over the foundation it was like so that was your idea brandy knows whatever brandy said just okay just go with whatever brandy said she'd be right okay okay (laughs) just listen to her you know you know because i was a former educator i taught high school um when i I didn't know that yeah i was i'm a former educator everything i've done has i've ran nonprofit um programs when i was in college so everything that i've done has always been in the field of helping Helping others Mm -hmm. you know when i became a personal trainer it was to help others you know what i'm saying when i ran a meal delivery business when i first moved to Atlanta it was to help other people Mm -hmm. get healthy you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. so everything about my life has been about people getting healthy but when we talk about health it was the fit part of being healthy Mm -hmm. like the fitness side of being healthy not be mentally healthy emotionally healthy spiritually Mm -hmm. healthy like that had to come along the way Mm -hmm. and when I started sitting down with counselors in the in um, the mentoring camp it was like I did it occasionally yeah Yeah. I did it occasionally like okay we do a camp a couple times a year so I sit down I vent my shit okay I feel better that was awesome (laughs) not understanding that therapy is a relationship Relationship. You, know you what I'm also saying? got this kind of subconscious access to like somebody else's stuff, right? So even as I hear you and kind of think about, you know, how black women are oftentimes helping other mm-hmm. yeah. people, right? And oftentimes that's a way to sometimes avoid our own stuff. Yes. Um, and we can still feel good about it. I'm helping you. I'm getting you all the services mm-hmm. and the counselor and the this and the this and the this. And I get to like get a get a taste of it. Right. Yeah. But I don't really need it. But I don't really need it. You don't need it. What about the people who, who would say that like, 
um, me healing you or helping you helps me. Or it when I minister me. to you, I'm when ministering. When I'm ministering to me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes. And it can help to an extent, but it doesn't heal you. That's not your That's work. That's right. That's yeah. not your work at all, right? Yeah. And something you had also mentioned, um, so on our end, <clears throat> you're talking about this dynamic that we call repetition compulsion. Right. Can you explain that? Yep. Yeah. So when um, oftentimes when we don't experience things in childhood or we experience things to a certain level, we begin kind of doing these things subconsciously in our adult life that just repeats those same patterns. Right. So I often have clients coming in like, how come I'm dating the same kind of person? Mm. Exactly. I'm attracting the same kind of person. I'm doing the same shit. It it just looks different. Right. Um, It's this compulsive behavior that you have to kind of fill in some need that hasn't been met Mm. when you were younger. And you don't even realize it. Right. Probably because you're not seeing a therapist to kind of put those connections together. But it's a very, very clear pattern that we notice that, hey, when things are, again, either missing or um, too much in our childhoods, we find some other way to kind of fill in those gaps. We don't know that they're gaps. We don't know that they're distractions, right? But it's a thing where as you look back over five years, like how come, again, y'all all all look different and had different names, but it's the same kind of drama in these relationships. I'm still feeling unfulfilled. Y'all are still all unavailable. What am I doing here? And so for me, you know, my dad wasn't alive, but Mm -hmm. the fact that he killed himself, I still felt abandoned as well. Mm -hmm. And I've had relationship problems and I just feel like I don't, need a man because there wasn't a man in my life growing up mm-hmm. and as much as I want companionship companionship and want a relationship I don't think I've ever been in love Wow! and I you know Same didn't here. forgive my father until I was in my 30s for his suicide and you know I was immersed in you know the culture of entertainment and was high ranking you know at the labels and so I really didn't have time and now here I am 47 years old trying to figure out how can I even, I don't even know what love from a man looks, looks like, like and how it's supposed to look like. And, and I, I feel like I'm still experiencing that trauma as that little girl yeah. of abandonment. Yeah. You know? So there's some parallels, yeah. I think, Absolutely. even though the situations were yeah. different. And, you know, um, from a male perspective, I was actually talking to um, one of our male friends, but who's also a therapist. And we talked about how, like, we sometimes feel like I grew up, always wanting to be a father much more than I wanted to be in a relationship. I never thought about the relationship. Mm. I always thought about the children or like, oh man, what if I could see myself with a kid and I'm going to do this, this, and this. But like the emotional part of it, mm. want no parts of it. Yeah. And so now even like for yourself, like I'm 30, never really been in a relationship, never really had love experienced or reciprocated Mm -hmm. um i think i've loved other people but i've never felt it back and Mm -hmm. so i think that that also i've had the same feelings in my own life my father was available um emotionally so like he'd call and Mm -hmm. like hey you know what i'm saying like it's cool it's all right to cry it's okay to talk about your emotions Mm -hmm. everything's all good we'll be all right but he wasn't present and he wasn't the best provider. And then him kind of the opposite. It was the opposite. Yeah. Right. And then his mind is the ultimate provider. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then my parents didn't have really like they had a very intense relationship. If they loved, they were loving very hard. hard. Mm. But if they fought, it was Real very hard, hard. Mm. like very, very, very hard. And so, so you like, see these extremes. I, all I saw was extremes. So mm. it was either like. I'm here for an extreme amount of time or I'm gone for an extreme amount of time. I'm in love for an extreme amount of time or we're fighting like to where it could make you physically sick. You Mm -hmm. get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Out of fear of Mm -hmm. what might happen. But it's just, it's weird that now that, or maybe not weird, it makes more sense maybe Mm -hmm. I should say, that now that I'm an adult, I see these things and to me what I felt like was just normal is really a lot of trauma. Absolutely. And that's Um, why we need people talking about stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I want to... Go back to Brandy real quick. Did that trauma affect your relationship 
with your sister or any family members or and then once you realize that you needed the therapy, you know, how how would the other members in your family um, were they open to well, therapy? Well, actually, and you like going? what really forced me, I mean, my sister Carly, my twin sister Carly and I and then I have a brother from my parents relationship. It was three of us from my parents marriage. Okay. And um, my sister and brother and I are super close. But what I realized is like Carly and I clung to each other as mm-hmm. children because we so desperately needed somebody mm-hmm. who understood, right? And it, and I think it crippled us in a lot of ways in some fear of like fear of going out to do certain things because it was the fear of, well, people might not will know that our dad ain't there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And people yeah. and people knew yeah. who our dad was yeah. because mm-hmm. it, he was visible. My my dad's but was has been on television consistently since I was in the sixth grade. Mm. You know, he did Showtime at the Apollo. He was the host of Showtime at the Apollo Uh. when I was in elementary school. That's a lot. That's a lot, but that's a lot of time, right? That's a lot of people don't understand. You know, my dad started comedy when when I was a a child, like Mm -hmm. six years old, five, Mm -hmm. five years old. You know, my dad has been in the business for 30 years, over 30 years. They don't understand that. They look at people and think, oh, this was just an overnight thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what I think it did was I clung to my mother, right? Mm-hmm. Because you are there with the person who's there every day, That's right? Right. So you you internalize you internalize their feelings. Mm-hmm. You internalize their emotions. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the the hang ups that I even had about my father were based off of my mother. And it was not that she said anything negative about my father, but it was the sadness. Yeah. Of yeah. the relationship. It was the sadness that, you know, that her marriage was failing. Mm-hmm. It was the sadness of her husband being on the road and not being there and her being alone and then being pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, with a set of twins and then, pre- you know, pregnant. Mm-hmm. Being alone through a pregnancy. Right. Like, so you're trying to compensate, you know, and it's like we take on in order to survive in the tribe, we take right. on the feelings of the tribe. Tribe, true. Right? Trauma and doesn't so, have to be, you know, verbal or physical or sexual. It's in the room. Yes, yeah. it is. Mm. And that was what I had to realize. Mm, that's a very and what good point. I'm, I, it was, and that was so real for me because, like, what forced me to get in therapy and make a commitment to therapy was when my sister was getting married to her husband. You know, he was like in the very beginning, like, I want to marry you, but there's some things. You got to work through. It's some wow, things really? we, we got to do. Mm. And he, I applaud him for that. He was the one who was like, I am setting up this appointment. Mm. I want you to go. Like, wow. and, and their their whole, they got so much marriage counseling. Their counselor Good. worked through. The, I mean, like, Good. that's why I really like, there's so much love I have for them as a couple mm-hmm. because of what they did to lay the groundwork for their family. And that's so inspiring. And they did to that, work. To that work. And, and when their therapist came to, and I'm probably telling their business, but when. <laughs> <laughs> But like, and I remember this because I really, you know, appreciated her presence at their wedding. And she was like, you know, I don't go to everybody's wedding like because I don't believe everybody. Some people do not need to do this. Mm -hmm. She was like, but I believe in them. Mm -hmm. She was like, I believe in they have done the work. They have worked to get down this aisle. And she was like, I believe in them. And like after my sister, like really just started like that was um She's been married, it'll be three years. Mm -hmm. So three years ago was when I was like, okay, you got to start, like, Mm. making this, like, 
a thing. And then I didn't get fully consistent until a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I go mm-hmm. weekly. Mm-hmm. Every week. And that has been for a full year. Now, before that, it was like, oh, I went a couple months. Oh, I'll go back. And not understanding that it's not a one-time thing. That was me. It was the one. It took a while for me because I was just thinking, okay, I went later. Okay, I feel better. Like that was great. So I'm good. I'm confident. I'm good. (laughs) Thank you. I have a um, question. Actually, did you ever feel a um, responsibility to kind of like protect your father's image or like to not speak out about how you might have felt personally because you felt it could have tarnished something? Um, I don't. I don't think it could have tarnished anything because I think. Through who he is is a great man. Mm-hmm. His life represents greatness. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think anything I could have said could have tarnished that. I think it would have just brought light to the fact that we're human. Okay. Yeah, and absolutely. that we have and we have them. stuff. Yes. And we've experienced things as a family. And no you matter know, who you are, what color, what right. what your life, economic, anything. what your life what your happening. celebrity yeah. status or yeah. non celebrity yeah. status is, like we were a family before any of this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really think that it could have tarnished and I don't think anything that I say now can can tarnish his reputation. Mm-hmm. I think that as much as I've grown as a daughter and a and a sister mm-hmm. and a friend He's grown as a man. Right. Like, he's grown as a father, you know? And through therapy, we've been able to come to a much better point in our relationship. And it took a long time. And I remember this was right after my 35th birthday, which was in August. You know, I was like, I flew out to Los Angeles just to have a conversation with my dad. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, I'm like, I'm 35 years old. Like, I am at such a critical point in my life of, like of stuff I no longer care about and stuff I have got to make amends with. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and like when I was like, I wrote this letter um, to myself. I wrote a letter, you know, penned a letter to my father. And I was like, you know what? Because I felt like that was one of the things that I was still carrying with me. You were. You know, mm-hmm. I was carrying with me. Everywhere I went, I was kind of carrying this kind of, this luggage around, this bag around. And when, right after my birthday in August, you know, it was like right at my birthday, I flew out there and like we had a heart to heart that was like, I think it was such a game changer of our relationship because for the first time, I honored him for not the mistakes that he had made. You know, I did not, you know, it was not a chastising conversation. Mm -hmm. It was not a, look what you, how you hurt me. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. like, look, where I am right now, I've made some mistakes Mm -hmm. because of our relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've made some mistakes. I've chosen some wrong men because of this relationship. Mm -hmm. And I no longer am willing to make those decisions. I'm no longer willing to sacrifice myself. But this is what I need from you going forward. There you go. Mm -hmm. And and when I laid that down, you know, and you know how you go lay your burdens down at the altar. Like, when I laid that down, there was such a freeing moment. But there was also this moment when I looked at him and he looked at me as that is my grown adult daughter Mm -hmm. that is a woman standing in front of me that is inspiring to him that it was and it was like when we hugged it was like after that conversation was over it was like I feel like I know you again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you. Like, because cause you know me. Because I've, I've given you a you part of my him. soul. You told mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's that... It's like a rebirth. It, is. it was such a it's rebirth. It's a whole new opportunity. Yeah. Yes. For him to now parent you in a different way. In a whole mm-hmm. different right. way. Because in now I'm not you. the little girl. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. that eight-year-old who's like, look at me... Talk to me, you know. Attention. attention love give me. me, love me, mm-hmm. you know. And so when you make that connection, but had I not been in therapy, 
Had I not made the commitment to start journaling, Mm -hmm. had I not made the commitment to start reflecting on my feelings, had I not made the commitment to meditate, had I not made the commitment to say, this is how I'm choosing to live my life and all the things that I've done before, those didn't work for me. And I want to forgive yourself for those things. And I had to. You have to to forgive yourself for those things. Can I just say number one just thank you for being open and transparent Absolutely. like you don't know how many people through i mean preferably today's interview but all that you're doing with the beyond her platform mm-hmm. you are going to change lives Amen. Mm-hmm. because Amen. like you said earlier i mean so many of us we think therapy that's just for white people you know but i now will applaud a lot of people of color that are supporting and going to therapy now but um just understanding but that's your life. You know, it yeah. ain't got nothing to do with the hype, with who's listening. That's your daddy. Yeah. And this is your life. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and y'all got this strong bond now yeah. that made you even stronger than before. God bless y'all yeah. for that. Absolutely. It was like, it was such a, and, and I'm telling you, had I not been in therapy to start writing these letters, not only to my mom, to my dad, about my sister, about things that I was not even really thinking was like, Mm -hmm. that's a problem or that's something that's been heavy on my heart. That's something I've been carrying with me. Some stuff I didn't know, but once you start peeling back the layers and somebody starts giving you some tools to say, okay, well, why did you look at it that way? Just get Mm -hmm. curious about it. What Mm -hmm. did you hear when they said that? Mm -hmm. You know, because so much of our lives is shaped around the things that we, the stories we have made up. Mm -hmm. Mm. And our highlight reels. It is yep. such a story that we create. That about yes, you know, like own. how I looked. You know, I I remember it was like things that people said to me, and it was like you carry those things with you. And you're like, well, yep, I picked up that one today, and so I'm carrying that around with me, and I don't know it, but I reference it so much mm. that it's a part of me, yep. and I don't even recognize that it's a part of me. Mm-hmm. And now add in social media. When Come you on, have church. Hundreds of voices. <laughs> and now, right. who are you? Yeah, you right. are sleeping yeah. on a mattress with no sheets, and then your <laughs> TV is on the floor. You don't have a right to talk to me. You don't have in your house. Worry about yourself. <laughs> you have things on your priority list that are much higher than me today. I promise you. Right. Get off Instagram. Get off, Get off social media. Right, girl. Those are the voices that right there. I'm not gonna deal with you today. Uh, <laughs> Those become our guiding voices. When we have all these people, and again, we've got images on social media, we've got words, we've got all these people saying all these different things. We get so confused with who's us, right? right? So I always talk to clients about, they'll say something about whose voice is that? Like, is is that you or is that something that you heard and then Mm -hmm. internalize that as that's how I need to be? Mm -hmm. The shoulds, right? Mm -hmm. I should be like this. I shouldn't feel like this. I should be doing this by this age. Is that you or is that somebody saying this is what we expect of you yeah. now mm-hmm. and, it, and it doesn't really match you, mm-hmm. but you're doing all this work to live up to this yeah. right. and you might not even want it. Uh, Dr. Ayana, so, you know, we're talking about self-care, therapy, um, unmasking, trauma. Talk about um, how should one really even approach finding the right therapist? Mm. You know, talk about sometimes it's like dating. You might have it to is. go to it's a couple different people, maybe three or four before I'm, you find I the right one. All here for therapy. We call it therapist shopping. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, so Google and kind of online platforms have made it a lot easier to be able to access therapy. You can go, you can see pictures and websites and profiles and try to get a sense of people. And you're um, right, mm-hmm. right? And, and exactly, right? Does somebody um, write a Yelp on you? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and even 
even with that, you're still also making an assumption of how this person can help you, right? Mm. Which is why a lot of therapists offer free consultations for us to get a chance to either spend time on the phone or in person, just seeing how it feels to be in the room mm-hmm. with us, because that's really important. Because again, a lot of people think that the change agent is how you know smart your therapist is, or kind of where they went to school, or kind of these degrees, mm. but it's about the relationship. Right, I can have all the skills as a the next therapist, and I can I can match and kind of line up with you in a way that the next therapist might. It's got to be about the compatibility of the relationship. What right? about the misconceptions that if I'm African American, I can only see an African American therapist, mm. or vice versa? And I know that sometimes it helps from a cultural standpoint, yep. but I don't think that's the end all be yes, all. I agree. Um, I do think that that is important, especially in in today's time uh, where we're seeing a lot of race-based trauma. Mm -hmm. I think that safety in the room is important. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what is also important is that relationship. Because again, there are ways in which we still make assumptions of black therapists, right? So I'll have, have, you know, people who come in and assume that I'm a certain religion or assume that I grew up a certain way and they're trying to bond with me over that. They'll Mm -hmm. say things like, well, you know what we're doing on the weekends. And I'll be like, well, hold up. What are we doing on the weekends? Right, right. What is is it then, right? So I still also challenge that because you come in the room with assumptions. Is that what we do? Like, is that what, right? Um, so even if I am black and I'm a woman, doesn't mean that I'm the same black woman That's right, because in Wakanda, we right. diverse. Exactly. Be what if I didn't stuff. see the movie, right? What if I'm not into sci-fi, right? So uh, we're still doing things to, to look at any of those assumptions that are in the room, but I also do um, understand that because culture is in the room automatically, um, that there is a push and a pull towards working with somebody who looks like you, right? Again, who you assume and maybe has had similar experiences, who can at least even understand the language that you are using and or saying. Um, so I think that that is important, but <clears throat> at the at that the base sense. of it, right, you're looking for somebody you can have a good relationship with, and that might be a 70-year-old white woman, mm-hmm. right? If she mm-hmm. can hold you in the room, mm-hmm. and if she can at least get curious about stuff, it's different if you have a therapist who is saying things like, well, I don't get that, and you shouldn't talk like that, and like those things. But if you have a therapist who is, who yeah. is willing to recognize that there's diversity in the room, there's a power dynamic in the room, there's race in the room, like if there are therapists... Um, who are non-black, who can do that kind of work and still hold you and validate you, that's going to be the changing mm-hmm. agent, regardless of what somebody looks like. It's about Girl, them let me tell you, you mine had room. to look like me because I'll be saying some stuff up in there. I, <laughs> oh, you yeah. got to, <laughs> you got- <laughs> no matter what, I know you black and you get this one because I, I know, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. And I- as you get to know your therapist, you get to know those pieces, right? Yeah. But sometimes when you go and find a therapist, the first one might not be the one. Mm-hmm. for you, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can look to a specific therapist for something very specific, right? Mm-hmm. So I might have a client who I'm doing a lot of trauma work with or relationship work with, but um, she has an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. That's not my specialty. So I might refer you out to somebody mm-hmm. who does that piece of work while we're still doing this, yeah. right? So again, you can get your needs met in different ways, the same way in which we do in our relationships. So I got some like you friends. you have multiple therapists? Somebody, some people can. Depends on what the mm-hmm. concerns are. That okay. doesn't mean that if you can't go to multiple therapists for the same exact concerns. Right. You're mm-hmm. looking for more specialties, okay. right? But same ways in which we do in our personal lives and in our relationships. I have some friends who I can talk about dating stuff to. I have some friends, you don't know nothing about my dating life <laughs> because you can't help me here. Like, you're not the space for it, right? Mm-hmm. I have some things I can talk to you know my mom about but there's a whole bunch of stuff I can't talk to her about Listen. right so it's about you determining kind of what's safe in these relationships same way in which you would a therapist you're looking uh, for safety let me ask you too quickly Dr. Ayana um, a lot of people will say you know well, I can't afford therapy mm-hmm. or can you can you talk about how some therapists work off sli- sliding scale Absolutely. explain to people what that is and, and like for me 
I'm probably telling too much of my business, but I don't have um, mental health care provisions in mm-hmm. my health care. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I got to pay for out of pocket, mm-hmm. but it's something I feel like that's needed yeah. um, for my own self-care. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, making that sacrifice every yeah. month, a couple times a month. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm always on, on I, uh, in terms of kind of using that as kind of a first barrier, well, I can't afford services. So uh, whenever I have somebody say that, I say, have you asked, right, about what the fee is? You can look on somebody's website, and I always recommend um, asking if somebody has a reduced fee or a sliding scale spot. Um, because a lot of private What practices. does sliding what does scale mean? Mm-hmm. Sliding scale means um, that they might charge you based on what your income is, or they okay. might charge you a low fee. Um, okay. That might be $20 or $30. Um, some therapists might, offer, therapists might offer pro bono slots, which is free. Mm-hmm. Um, therapy, maybe for a certain length of time. Um, some clients, some therapists, if you are experiencing a financial hardship for some reason, then they'll be able to offer that, whether long term or short term. Uh, but I always recommend asking the person who you want to see what's going on. And then th- we will ask you the questions that we need to ask to be able to, s- to decide that. Right? There are a lot of clinics in every city that offer low cost or free services um, as well. There are now websites, Psychology Today, um, things like that, where you can find people who offer different kinds of services that might also be in your price range. Right? Mm-hmm. My one challenge within that when I hear people say I can't afford it is I'm always kind of challenge people to say well what are you spending your money on Listen. Mm-hmm. right because there's a way in which we tell ourselves that we can't afford stuff but that that's also about our priorities mm-hmm. you better mm-hmm. say right? that again so if I hear you say I can't afford therapy but you're buying up all the clothes you want Listen. vacation your nails you are this, lit every week that's you making a priority yeah. because you getting your nails done your copay might be $25 right look at that your copay mm-hmm. might be $25 so every time you get your nails done that is two sessions right there right mm-hmm. So I'll challenge some people based on what their priorities are. And again, if you're going to commit, it's a financial commitment. If you're going to commit to therapy, it might require making changes in other parts of your life. That's right. It might require eating out less. But it that's probably what you more, need right? to be exactly. doing anyway because right. you mask. It creates a whole shift. Because right. right. I was masking with with all the designer. I was mm-hmm. masking by what kind of car I was driving at the time. Mm-hmm. I was masking because I showed up looking good, but I go. wasn't good. Mm-hmm. I showed up fly, but I really want fly on the yeah. inside. That's mm-hmm. always my challenge. Really think about what you are spending money on. Because if you are committed to things, and again, obviously depending on what your financial situation is, um, but you spend money on what you value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you don't value your mental health in that way, then it's not going. you're not going to pay for therapy. Mm-hmm. I just said last week I was um, I was changing in the gym, and I was talking to a friend, and I, was, I had just left, um, left therapy, and I was like, I was like, I am so grateful. I said it out loud because I felt like I just needed to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so grateful for therapy today. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she was like, what'd you say? And I was like, I'm just so grateful for my therapist, girl. Say it out loud. I was like, because I was like today or just I was like, I would just probably just not have wanted to get out of the house today. Mm-hmm. But knowing I was like, OK, were you going to therapy? You know what I'm saying? You too. go on to therapy. You know you can't cancel because you will be charged that at too. this point. It's accountability. It's accountability. <laughs> at this time, at this time, it's not 24, 24 hours. <laughs> you're going to be charged you know, regardless. That's right. You know, that's so, like our self-care. So, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Amen. Amen. So, you like know. church say. <laughs> for real. And I was like, you know, I was so grateful because it's not just, and I think that that's the assumption that, Oh, well, I don't have no problems or I don't have if you are a business owner, if you are doing anything of good in this world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you need to sit down with somebody That's or somebody true. just to recalibrate and make sense mm-hmm. of it. Just just to recalibrate the system, just to I don't even know if y'all watch Billions. That oh, show. Yeah. Yes. So you oh, watch Billions, man. right? Yep. And you look 
These are hedge fund fund mm-hmm. folks. These are people on Wall Street. This is money. They got them in the office, right? So what does that show you? That mm-hmm. if by chance I could just throughout the day pop in to sit down with somebody to clear my head, mm-hmm. to get something off of me, to work through something that really didn't need, I didn't because I, I damn sure don't need to take this home with me. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. So if I can sit down with somebody and work through something quickly, recalibrate my system, reset the GPS, and now I'm back off to the races doing the work that I'm supposed to be out here doing, why not? Yes, that right. gives you so much more room to focus on these other parts yeah. of your life. Exactly. And we're, we're so caught up thinking that, and this was the reason why I didn't want to do pastoral counseling. It was a reason why I like ran from that when my mom as a teenager was like, sit down with the pastor. Mm. I'm like, I don't want to talk to him. And, mm. I, and I'm not saying this to, to discredit any pastoral counseling, but I think you have to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. Because I knew at the stage that I was at, I didn't want somebody who was just going to just throw me a scripture, scripture. Yeah. and tell yeah. me, now read this and, and everything's going to be better. Pray about it. Okay, well, I've been praying and I'm still here. So give me something else Active. to do. Like, I need something else. I need the faith with the work. Yep, Show right. me how mm-hmm. to do the work. I'm really willing. I'm really mm-hmm. able. I really want it because nobody wants to walk around hurting nobody Mm -hmm. wants to walk around sad no one wants to walk around depressed we all want to live a fruitful abundant life i came that you might have life and have it more abundantly well we all want to live abundantly in every single way of our lives but show me how to do it Mm-hmm. So it's funny you say that. And thank you for that testimony. Um, my pastor, Dr. Raphael G. Warnock, and we just had him on the show last month. He was the one that told me, I'm going to pray with you, but I need you to go to the doctor. Yep. So I was grateful that that was the response that I got from a faith leader. Um, and last year, the church ended up naming the Sunday after Silence for Shame Day as Silence for Shame Sunday. So guess what? Here we are this year. On May 6, 2018, we have over 20 churches recognizing Silence to Shame Sunday where they're going to talk about it in the church. And we might end up having more. So if y'all listening and you're part of a church and you want to be down, please um, email us and and be a part. And what it is, they're just going to recognize that May is Mental Health Awareness Month and that in addition to talking to your pastor and praying through your problems, if you got real challenges, you need therapy. Yeah, You need to maybe and see a psychiatrist and you may need some medication. Yeah, yeah we consult um, with pastors all the time. Absolutely. We will talk about whoever's on your team. We're now a part of your team. And shout out to the American Psychiatric Association Foundation. Their executive director, Dan Gillison, is a good friend of ours now. And they put together a mental health guide for faith leaders. Oh, So wow. to your point, Brandy, I think the tides are changing. I think a lot of the churches are understanding the component of 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 understanding that the congregation needs more. Yeah. You know, and that faith and work, like you mentioned, like mm-hmm. you need the faith and you need the therapy. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it goes hand in hand. I mean, you need the faith and you. Um, yeah, that's yeah, right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but it goes hand in hand. It really they does go hand in hand. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not one it's of the other. It's not one of the demonic. other. Exactly. Like, you right. know, and I think we grow up in, in this stigma in the black community, especially like with baby boomer parents and, you know, our grandparents. We think like, well, that's demonic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or out of, that's not of God. And I'm just yeah. going to pray and you take to God my, out of the family and talk to some stranger. I, I remember my grandmother saying, like, you know, well, if it's not a healthy mind, you know, it's not of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and I, because she's my grandmother, I think I could understand what she meant. But nonetheless, it's not like a, it's not a separate thing. And I had to explain to her, and I did this recently. I did this, as a matter of fact, last week. I explained to her, I was like, well, you know, we got people in a family who's crippled. 
You get what I'm saying? And like, and that came from God just as much as anything else did. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, you know, that's true. And so I think that sometimes they didn't get the opportunity. Our culture for a long time didn't get the opportunity to know that you might need help. Like we were just forced to work through it. Like things were done to us that were traumatic and we normalized trauma. So, yeah, it's in our DNA. Right. It's in our DNA. Yeah, we had to. Right. 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 have spaces. Exactly. And also recognizing therapy, again, historically, is a is a white right. field and a white space. So it was dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Therapists weren't doing that. Again, they weren't sensitive enough to, to provide culturally sensitive treatment to non-white people, right? Yeah. And to and to non-men and non-white women, right? So understanding where that's come from, but also wanting to adapt to, guess what? Things are changing mm-hmm. now, and there are spaces, mm-hmm. and we're doing a lot of work. We Again, I will admit, psychologists and psychology have a ton more work to do Right, but we are doing the work now and how to kind of meet people in the middle. Yeah, right? but right. we need to help create this shift together. Yeah. I kind of have a um off question for you, um, Diana, um, Dr. Ayana, I don't <laughs> put it together. Um, do therapists ever have therapists? Like, absolutely, okay, because <laughs> I feel like you're, you're talking to so many people. You have so right. You have so much energy coming to you. The wounded healer. The wounded healer for years, and this will probably be the first time that that I would be saying um, on air that I've had a therapist, my my Atlanta based therapist. We are going on six and a half years. Wow! And I joke her all the time. Like, listen, you my my longest relationship. Listen, you are in life, right? I have seen her every week for six and a half years. Wow! Right, so. Mm. And that was from when I was on postdoc training, then kind of coming into being a professional. We've talked about all the parts of my life. So we're talking about childhood. We're talking about work stuff. We're talking about imposter phenomena. We're talking about dating. All these things are in the room. And again, there's a way in which she understands me um, as a professional, but also a way in which she can kind of reach me. Right. As a person. So I absolutely recommend. I know tons of therapists who have therapists um, that we've had. So that's like a self-care regimen for you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. She is Friday morning. I love that. That's Mm -hmm. it. Happens every single week. Um, That's amazing. And that's been really important for me because if I'm doing my work in that space and I can hold that there, I can be better Mm -hmm. in my other spaces. And I've grown so much as a professional and as a person, as a daughter, as a sister in all these ways because I have this space that's devoted to me, right? Because, again, I spend the majority of my life devoted to other people. So this is my space that I know that I have that, oh, we're just talking about me. I'll be trying to talk about her sometimes. Like, how are you doing? <laughs> nope, this is about you. Because you do that all day Yeah, <laughs> is ask right. people questions and I'm very invested in other people's lives. That's the space where I know it's about me and I've gotten much clearer on my voice. Good for you. Right? So it's it's, it's really, really important for anybody, in a, particularly in a healing profession. If you're yeah. like dealing with other people and kind of holding other people's space, you got to have your own space. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I love that. And then just shout out to all the artists that are talking about therapy. You know, Jay-Z mm-hmm. has yes. been very vocal about therapy with um, his relationship um, with Beyonce. Go, Bay, Baychella. We love Beyonce. <laughs> um, as well as um, Charlemagne. Who, you know, Free's a big fan, fan yeah, and uh, I'm going to be on the Breakfast Cl- Club next week. So Are shout you? out to the Breakfast oh, wow. Club. I saw a clip of him talking, talking about, about Sounds of Shame. Yeah, he yes. talks about it so All much now. So very, very grateful for that. But um, I definitely don't want to close out um, before Brandy can tell us more about Beyond Her. Like. Tell us about the platform and what your goals are and how other people can get involved. So really, um, just a little backstory. I really started Beyond Her. Um, this was after I left my job in um, August. Um, at the foundation? I, at the foundation. Okay. And um, it was a it was a mutual um, kind of uh, leaving. <laughs> um, they were ready for me to leave. <laughs> you know, you low-key fire, but not quite... <laughs> 
you are fired. If it's anywhere else, it would be like you're fired, fired. But I was like kind of fired. That's but funny. Um, not funny, but you know what I mean. No, it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> it totally is. Please laugh about it. <laughs> um, and so when I left, you know, it was really like, okay, Brandy, um, you got a, a new opportunity to do something that you really want to do, and. Um, I said, what do I want to do in my soul? Mm-hmm. Like, what does my soul want me to do? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I already started like a, a organic snack company, all vegan with my oh, sister. Wow. Right. Oh. And so we started doing this. We started a year ago. And when I left, I was like, OK, well, I'm going to put all my energies into that. And then it was like really having that seat of the soul moment, you know, and just saying, like, what do I really want to do? And um I had this idea. I started writing my book and and then I went on a silent meditation retreat mm-hmm. and I went on a silent meditation retreat in Boone, North Carolina. I drove up there. It's five hours from Atlanta and I drove and I went up there really like not ever even wanting to go on the mm-hmm. silent retreat. The whole time I was like every time I like picked up, you know, open my laptop and it's like God would like send me to like these silent retreat sites. And I was like, no, God, I'd much rather go like have cocktails like somewhere <laughs> on the beach, you know, like really like get my life together that way. And um when I, you know, emerged really from the silent retreat, you know, being silent for five days mm-hmm. in the mountains, I really had a mountaintop experience. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at how Christ had a mountaintop experience, you look at Martin Luther King, you know, he said, I've been to the mountaintop. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, I had one of those experiences there in the silence, you know, of being in communion with God. And when I emerged from that, it was like, beyond her this is what i want to do mm. and my therapist had given me the book untethered soul um before i left and so i listened to it on started listening to it on the way on my drive mm. you know and then never even looking really at the front cover like i had the hard copy and i had the audio book and like never even really understanding mm. that the word beyond right the journey beyond is on the front of the book Oh wow! Never mm, knew it, so right? Funny. Okay. Until I, I launched Beyond Her. Until I launched Beyond Her, and I went and I had had this had this idea. I worked with a brand and company, and I said, "This is really what I want to do, and I want to create a platform for women of, women of color. You know how to move, how to eat, how to live, and be well in the world. How do we tell our own stories of how we move, how we eat, how we live? You know, I'm a I'm a plant based advocate. I've been plant based, and I just was like, I want to bring that lifestyle to people and energize them through the food that you eat, but also the words that we speak." And when I launched Beyond Her January, we launched Social January 1. We launched the site January 30th. And when I launched it, my therapist sent me a picture of the cover of The Untethered Soul with her finger under the word beyond. And I said, do you know this is the first time I've ever known that that was on the front cover? Mm -hmm. But I carried it with me. But when I tell you how it came to pass was like I was sitting um, at my kitchen table um, and I'm writing and I'm listening to the last chapter of the book. And it starts talking about, you know, when we journey beyond, you know, in the infinite that, you know, when the spirit makes his journey and you journey beyond, that's where God is. God is in the infinite. God is in the infinite. God is beyond. Right. And I'm like. Beyond her, that's it. I know it. I 
that's the sign I've been waiting on. I knew it. I knew it, right? So I'm so pumped, right? I'm like, yes. I didn't know. So I'm I'm telling my site, but I'm like, we are going with Beyond Her. Like, let's move. I want to do this. I got it now. I fully am confirmed. Because it took me a while to, like, settle in on Beyond Her. It was like, you know, it's my initials. But then it was like, I don't know. Beyond mm. Her. Do people get it? I was like, I oh, don't get it. I don't know. I'm going to explain that shit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? What am I going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I was like, no. But when I listened to it, I was like, that's it. I was like, oh my God. I was like, that's the sign I've been waiting for. That's the sign I've been on. Like, I've been waiting on you because I've been asking God, like, confirm this. Confirm yes, this for yes. me. Like, how is it? Because this is, if this is what All my soul is, is supposed to do, I'm not going to rush it, right? And I was like, what do I want every woman to, like, to understand that the journey beyond begins within. Mm -hmm. The journey beyond to the woman that you want to be, that you're striving to be, begins right inside. The journey beyond is everything. When we find out that everything is connected, that nothing is disconnected, that mind, body, spirit, what we eat, what we think, how we you live, preach. How mm -hmm. we, what we read, what we do, everything is connected. And I wanted that women to walk away knowing that when they look on this site, that when they read our content, you know, when they eventually be able to shop in our store, you know, the products that we will be able to offer through wellness, wellness products and apothecary and all these wonderful things that, that we've curated for this shop that's going to launch. It was like, I wanted women to be able to understand that I'm not alone here. That in my journey mm -hmm. beyond is my friends, is my family, it's me at the center of this whole universe, mm -hmm. like moving this thing. How do I want to move beyond everything, every every tradition that I felt I've carried with me, mm -hmm. everything that I felt I've had to take along with mm -hmm. me, but I'm ready to go beyond. And in that journey beyond, what do I have to do? Show me the way. You know, when, when Christ walked the earth, he didn't say, do us. He said, follow me. These works that I do, you might do also, but greater than me. You know what I'm saying? And when we live in a way that is that is of God, of, of, of the life, of the divine, of purpose, of destiny, like... You are always gonna live beyond. That's right. You're always gonna live beyond your circumstances. You're always gonna live beyond your your in the overflow of what you thought you had. A God, I don't think I have enough. Oh yes, I'm already you already living in the beyond. Mm -hmm. I said that yesterday when somebody was on the phone with me. I said, if you start this conversation of lack, I am going to hang up with you because mm -hmm. today I am living in the overflow. That's right. Mm -hmm. I I'm living in the overflow. If you start this conversation with lack. <laughs> I am going to have to hang up on you. Mm -hmm. It changed the whole conversation because I am living in the overflow. Mm -hmm. I'm living it. I'm walking in. So, you know, the content that I bring to the site, I, I, I penned a letter to my 20-year-old self um, as one of my most intimate pieces. I write articles for Dr. Joy. My, my sister does all the plant-based recipes okay. for the site. Um, I ask other women to contribute um, articles. And this is really a platform for us to tell stories, you know, of how to live, how to move, how to eat and be well in the world. What makes us human as black women? Mm -hmm. Everything that encompasses us. And so I just um, interviewed Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms for the site. Shout out. And Atlanta was, got a man named Keisha. <laughs> Atlanta got a mayor named Keisha who was interviewed by a woman named hey, Brandy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and so um, when I interviewed her, it was like it was no, it was nothing about politics. You know, this was really about her own journey. Her own womanhood, her own mother, you know, being a, being a wife, being a mother, being set on this path of, of career. But 
being a woman of power. What mm-hmm. does that mean? How do you take care of yourself? How do you live? How do you move? And so um, through those stories, you know, as we continue to build stories of other women, you know, and people like Shanti to be able to offer their own stories to the site, um, I think we're just creating a real great platform for um, for women to grow, to learn, to heal. You know, um, this is really, I just ask God every single day that he make me a vessel. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That he make me a vessel and a vehicle. Mm-hmm. That God, and I wrote this in my journal, you know, the other day I prayed, I come from a funeral and I and I left there and I journaled as soon as I, I left. And I was like, you know, God, that you would continue to make me a vehicle. Use my life. Mm-hmm. Use my life. No matter what I've gone through, let me use that to help heal and change somebody else. Let me be the light. I just, I just ask that of God, that you continue to trust me. And this platform is really like just God trusting me enough to encompass other women around me, to to take the hand of other women, to to pour into other women, you know, and to show that I'm we are not different. Mm-hmm. We are all running the same That's race right. and That's really right. trying to get the same things. They may look different, but ultimately we all want to be happy. Mm-hmm. We want we all want to be safe. Mm-hmm. And those are things we, that we deserve. And we all want to be loved. Yeah. And we do deserve it. And yeah. I think it's just showing women of how that looks. You know, that it takes many different forms and many different shapes. But ultimately, you know, we're running the same race together. And so, um, I don't know if that answers your question, Chad. Uh, first of all, where do I write, where do I write the check? Like, are you a part of a speakers bureau? You know, I said this to you when I heard you speak at your program. There's like almost like a graduation that you yeah, guys used to do. Yeah. And I was like taken aback at... Because I didn't know you that well, yeah. but I was so moved by your power and, and, and the words that you express and how you're able to express yourself. You really do have a gift Thank in, you. In, from an empowerment speaker standpoint. So it I is, hope we is. continue to see you. It, you will. Yeah, yeah, you definitely will. This I'm is, so proud this is my time. It know? really is, girl. So, Seize it. Yeah, it is. And I really feel it. You know, I just I know that it's like and this is like if I could leave like women in your audience with anything. Um, it really is to say, like, don't wait. Mm-hmm. You know, what we say in a gym, you know, I work out at Efe Fitness. Um, and that's a part of my self-care. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not miss the gym yes. no days off. I got to get and, to that point. you know, <laughs> one of the things that my trainer always says, like, when, we, when we're revving up, you know, the yeah. class is going on boot camp. He's like, don't wait, go now. Mm-hmm. Don't wait, go now. And I'm saying that don't wait. Mm-hmm. I think we have we put off so many things in our lives to say, well, okay, I heard that, but not today. Mm-hmm. I heard that, but I don't really think soon. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna do that mm-hmm. when I get my money right, girl. When right. I get my when I get my next check. When I get that going, I'm gonna do that. But I really want to implore women to really say, like, tell them, like, do not sleep on this. You know, on like you, on yourself. Uh, exactly. Do not sleep on it. Like, you are so powerful. God has so much work to do in you and through you, but he needs you to show up as the best version of yourself to do it. Mm -hmm. And in order to show up as the best version of yourself, like, you got to give the best to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of it. That's where it starts. Take care. Oh, man. Woo! So, oh, man. Can we just give it up for Brandy Harvey? I love you. And the Beyond Her platform. How can um, people follow you on social media? Um, You can follow me at beyondher.co, beyondher.co. And then um, my personal Instagram, um, both on Instagram. Don't hit me up on Facebook, child. Facebook (laughs) is like for people who are disgruntled and want to 
talk about um, why they're late for their um, plane, why it's delayed. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but um, you can follow me at I am Brandy Harvey on Instagram. I am Brandy Harvey on Instagram. Um, and then at beyondher.co on Instagram. Oh, guys. Okay, I'm really excited about this next caller. Um, I met this young lady in the early, late 80s, early 90s through a mutual friend um, when I wore my hat to the back and my baggy clothes and they thought I was a little young thug uh, trying to work in the music industry. (laughs) But I'm so proud of her and I love her and she is my sister. Guys, let's welcome to the Silence of Shame podcast, Miss Tashina Arnold. I like. Thank you. And, and Shanti, I got pictures to prove it, girl. Oh, <laughs> Please show those. It's throwback Thursday. back from the 90s. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. We're we going to have a pray that those don't get out too quick on the net. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I got the cute ones. You look cute. You look cute. <laughs> thank you, T. So, girl, thank you again for being on the show. You know, today we're talking about self-care. And the importance of self-care through every aspect aspect of your life. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about self-care in Hollywood, right? How important is that, being able to take care um, of your physical health, but as well as your mental health? Um, so can you mm-hmm. share with us, I mean, because you've been an actress since you were a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. what was it like for you? Did you ever experience, you know, stress and anxiety or anything or what you know what did your mom teach you being a child actress and what did you learn as an adult um being in that kind of high energy position but being able to really take care of Tashina well I come from a very religious background we were uh, you know we're Christians I came through the church of God in Christ and mm. my mom my mom was very she she did in practical ways of showing me how to be in show business. So by the time I was 12, I was taking the train, three trains and a bus to, from Queens to Manhattan uh, every day to go on audition. Wow. And wow. my mom was like, look, I cannot lose any more work. <laughs> you know what I mean? You gotta, you, if you really want to do this, you got, if you really want it, you gotta, you know, she showed me how to take the train and wow. I basically became a latchkey kid. But because my mom, you know, she worked for the Department of Sanitation, so she had an everyday job. My father was a, a, a police officer, so he had an everyday job. So I kind of became a latchkey kid and learned a lot of stuff through as they taught me, like, mm-hmm. you know, as I went on. So I knew being in show business, my mom basically taught me how to not do drugs. Mm-hmm. She, said, I don't give it, she said, I don't care if you, if you have a, a, a headache. You don't take anything from anybody. She said, you said, not unless you bleed. She said, you That's better right. not take anything. <laughs> so she, that was basically her way of telling me, you know, don't get hooked on drugs. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times that's what happens. You know, there's, you know, people offer you stuff. You don't know what you're taking. So I learned really in, uh, in practical ways of how to uh, 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 navigate myself through life. And I used to laugh at my dad all the time because every time he would go to church, and it would be his turn to pray. He's like, I thank God for my mind. I thank God for my mind. And I used to laugh at him all the time. And I asked him, I said, Daddy, why do you say that all the time? It just sounds crazy. And he's like, if you if you don't have your mind, you know, what do you have? You don't have the, the ability to make choices and stuff. So right, as I got older, I was like, okay, I understand. But being able to navigate through show business has not been easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it hasn't been 
it hasn't been in a way because it's something that I love doing. So I welcomed even the hard times mm-hmm. because I knew the payoff for me was doing what I love doing. That's right. And I've seen a lot of people. I mean, the 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 the, the mental illness that I've seen in show business or throughout mm. show business are people who haven't haven't had balance. Mm. Mm. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. See, I, I, I'm a cancer, <laughs> you know, okay. going June 28. So I, 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 I like, you know, as I got older, I just like balance. I don't like when things are imbalanced and I'm able to accept things when they are imbalanced. Now I think that comes with, with keeping my peace of mind. And that's mm. what I constantly search for is peace of mind. Mm. And I think if you have balance and you have some sort of peace of mind, you're able to navigate a little easier through the rough times. Because, yes, we've all been there. Like, even it, as a child, you go through hormonal stuff. You go through things. And I think a lot of people just don't have the help of being somebody pushing them through it right. or somebody helping them through their hard time. And a lot of times I, you know, I have a friend of mine that just recently, you know, lost his partner, you know, he lost his partner and literally he, we all sat there and watched this man die mm-hmm. in the hospital bed. And I told my friend, you know, there's a time to grieve. And now you got to go through, you know, there are different steps of grieving. I said, but I don't want this grieving to turn into depression. That's so right. I think that things happen in our lives that either we, 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 we get through it or we allow, or it breaks us. Mm-hmm. So I never wanted to be broken mm-hmm. by anything, by any person, by anything. So even what I went through with, my my ex my sec- second husband because I was married before that <laughs> my second husband what I went through with him you know we ended up having to talk it out like I had to express myself so I learned you know I internalize a lot of things and I always realize every time I internalize it it eats me up inside is that where you out in a way mm-hmm. I'm sorry is that where uh-huh. you felt the depression cre- creeping in at that point yeah see you know I, I Years ago, I hit rock bottom, mm. like a long time ago. I mean, literally, when I say rock bottom, it's rock bottom financially, rock mm. bottom spiritually, rock mm. bottom uh, mentally. Like, mm. literally, you could, like, like, my face was to the floor. I couldn't go any lower. And to be in that state and to feel what that feels like, even talking about it, it just it, it brings butterflies in my stomach mm-hmm. because I made in my mind from that moment that as traumatized as I was, that I could not live in that space. Mm-hmm. I had to pull myself through it and out of it. So what I helped had you? The, Can you say what helped you pull people, yourself out? Mm-hmm. pleasure, prayer. Well, of course, prayer. Now, number one is prayer. And, and the prayers of my family, you know, I got my grandmother still alive. She said she prays for her seed all the time. She's <laughs> like, I pray for my seed. So prayer definitely changes things. But a lot of people, you know, then you, you get to a point. I got to the point where I was spiritually bled. Like, I'm a giver. I like helping people. I like, you know, just socializing. I like until I don't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. helping people and giving people information because information was given to me, which helped me through life. So when I wasn't even able to give Spiritually, I wasn't even able to talk to God. Mm. I got mm. to the point where I didn't want to hear anything. I didn't want to hear myself. Mm. Mm. So when you get to that point, 
you know, I, I just made in my mind, it made up in my mind, I never want to get to that point again. So when I felt that coming on, even going through all the stuff that I did with my ex-husband, it's like, you know, because I hit rock bottom, I knew what that felt like. And I, I snapped out of it. I was like, I got to, I got to pull myself through this. And that's what I did. And it takes other people, you know, and I just told my friend as well. I said, you know what? Part of grieving is talking about it. I lost a good friend of mine. And, you know, I think we're trained to not talk. You know, we're trained to, okay, put an H on your chest and handle it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or not even go right. to therapy or even right. consider therapy, yes. so, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as black women. And I always speak yeah. from the, I always speak from the black women's perspective. Like we hold up this world. This world depends upon black women. Mm-hmm. We have Very done true. so many things. We've raised kids. We've raised, I mean, we've done so many things for so many cultures that, we wear it, and sometimes we got to know when to take that backpack off and mm-hmm. save yourself. And that's why I always say my daughter saved my life because I realized, you know, sitting on a plane, I said, listen, they, the, the oxygen mask, they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first. Mm-hmm. You got to save yourself right. first unless you can't, you can't, you, or you won't be able to help anybody else. Yeah. So. Being rock bottom, I learned how to do this. So there, it, I think it's different things that we have to do as individuals. Only you, like Shanti, only you know what's going on in your head. That's mm-hmm. right. Only you know your deepest, darkest secrets That's or right. your deepest, darkest wants and needs. And, you know, so I think the more honest we are with ourselves, the more um, happy we are at looking at ourselves in the mirror. Can you look at yourself in the mirror and be happy? And if you're not happy, you got to make some change. Yeah. So it starts within. It start, definitely starts within. And I have you a... Train um, yourself and... Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, this is free. I have a question. So you spoke about um, hitting rock bottom. At that point, were you a mother when you were going through that? No, I was not. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was not a mother. Okay. I was actually... I was actually dating my, my daughter's father. Okay. Who I never married. Yeah. He, you know, it was just terrible. It was just a horrible experience. Like, it, and it wasn't really horrible things. Like now that I look back, I'm like, come on, it's not. It wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that storm, absolutely, it's the yeah. you don't it's see the, the sun yeah. and you don't see the light of day. Oh yeah, it's horrible. So, you know, we gotta we gotta be able to recognize what it is that we go through, and we gotta be able to learn how to protect our minds, our brains, because like I feed my brain. Like I look up what's good for my brain, what supplements mm-hmm. I yeah. take. Mm-hmm. And that's more preventative <laughs> versus like, yeah. versus things getting yeah. bad and then we do something. We got to do stuff beforehand, right? right? Exactly. So it's already yeah. strong. Yes, I'm 48 now and 48 is kicking my ass. Ooh, girl. <laughs> Say that you again. fine though, girl. Yeah, you, you fine. Right. Ain't nothing changed but the age. Listen. <laughs> Let me tell you something. See, listen, I was running on the treadmill. I was like, well, what the hell is that? That's not behind class. Gravity is taking over. Things are loosening up. So, you know, so I made sure I said, okay, let me get in the gym three times a week. And I know it's disappointing because I'm not getting the results that I used to be able to go get in the gym and hit it two weeks and get a nice vibe. Oh, no, those days are over. So I'm very, I'm very honest with myself. And I think if we start with being honest with ourselves and honest with each other, like my mm-hmm. friends know, we, I don't lie to my friends. Like we, we, we oh, listen, no. like I have, we, we go through things at different times and that's what friends are there for to hold you up. So 
I think it's, it's very important to have a support group, uh, you know, a support system, even if it's Extremely. one or two people. What I'm the most humbling thing that I learned with motherhood mm. is that you cannot do it by yourself. It, it's impossible. It's almost impossible to raise your, a child by yourself. That's right. You need that village. Oh, goodness. You got to have you got to have help. We were just I was just at the gym yesterday and um, and this is Brandy Harvey speaking to you. But I was just at the gym yesterday and one of the young ladies, she was she's uh, like in seventh grade. She's been cut in class. Mm. Um, She has like all F's. Mm. She was caught running from the administrators. And so her former teacher works out the gym, brought her into the gym yesterday, had her running laps, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we all like, what she do? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> we like, what she do? She was like, girl, she runs down the list. So we over on the silence. Um, Keep running. Um, you not done. Mm-hmm. She went to the bathroom mm-hmm. to try to, you know, cut cut out. I went and knocked on that bathroom. They was like, you know she used to teach high school. I went and knocked on <laughs> I was like, come on out, girl. Come on out. Yeah. And that's and you that's the accountability good. that we need in every area of our life. You and know, for me as a as a person who's a former fitness competitor, I run a wellness um site called beyondher.co and we provide content, even like if you're even looking for a nice little letter to pass on to your daughter, because I be seeing y'all singing. Mm-hmm. In the car on the way to school. Right, yeah. right. I love the Y'all be singing. I was right. like, girl, let me sing. I saw the birthday party, uh, mm-hmm. the, the birthday party dance routines. I said, that's what I needed to do when I was. But, you know, even I wrote letters, a letter to my 20-year-old self. And I think that that's the accountability that we constantly have to have. You know, I have a goals partner that I work with. We set our quarterly goals mm-hmm. and they're set for life goals. And everything from spirituality, education, to finance, to um, the type of life we want to live, like our big goals. And um, mm-hmm. we meet, you know, once a month just to, on the first of every month because of the quarters, you know, we do this once a quarter, just to go over our goals. Mm-hmm. How are we hitting like it? That. What mm-hmm. are we doing? You know, and what what do you need? How can we help each other? Because yep. she might say something, you know, oh, I'm trying to do this. I'm like, oh, you should take that Pilates reformer mm-hmm. class. Or I should, you know, uh-huh. or she'll say, oh, what do you have going on? Oh, girl, I got the perfect graphic designer for you to do mm-hmm. that. I have the perfect, you know, right. let me help you. Oh, girl, she, I sent her therapy recommendation because she was trying to get back into therapy and so I was like I think that that's what we're missing sometimes you know because we're so as much as we try to be so close through social media we're still so very far away and disconnected from one another and I think that that level of accountability that we have to have for one another it's like it's just to show you that I care that's right it's just to show you that I need you to survive (laughs) like they don't make these songs for nothing (laughs) But see, you're living proof of what 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 I was trying to do, and the reason why. Mm. Like, you see the reaction that you just gave me, uh, talking about me and my daughter's video. Yeah, that that you are you are living proof of why I do the video. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is why. And this, you know, th- those me and Elijah and I, we started those videos because. I got tired of fighting her going to school every morning. Every morning we went to school. You know, she would go off with a bad attitude because she didn't want to wear what she wanted. Like, literally, I said, I know there are other parents and aunts and uncles and and dads and and, and grandmas that are going through this every day, taking these kids to school or sending their kids. I said, you know what? Let's start singing in the car. Let's, like, you know, let's listen to the music that you want to listen to. So what I would, when I saw the reaction that it got from, 
my social media followers, I said, okay, this is what I want because mm-hmm. I want to be able to help somebody. If I'm going through it, like I, I allow certain of me and Elijah's fault to be seen mm-hmm. because I want other people to know that they're not the only ones that go through exactly. it. Exactly. You're, you're human. Like, you're not. And Absolutely. when, yes, and when you realize that you're not alone, that is the best feeling in the world. And it's not mm-hmm. a bad feeling. Like, if you see somebody else going through what you're going right. through, it's like, oh, cool. Huh, I'm not by myself. Right. That is the main reason why people go into depression, because you think that you're the only one going yeah. through what yes. you're going through. And when you have people that are like-minded, and you have people that have been through it, so they can give you information of how to get through it, you know, it makes a difference. That's why my sister started our foundation, the We Win Foundation, but we realized there were just so many women and men, but black women literally giving up. Yeah. They didn't have to die. They mm-hmm. literally would give mm-hmm. up. And when you get to the point where you give up, that's the problem. And that, you know, so either if you go into that mental state where nobody can help you, or you 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 let you, you let go, and when you let go, your body lets go, spirit lets go, mind lets go, everything is gone. So why why we started our foundation is we wanted to not only help people live and live now, but we want to show them how to get through those times. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of people. We call them. My, my sister is pregnant now. Like she's she's uh she's oh, congratulations. Uh, doing June. Yes, wow. yes. We call it our miracle baby. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting here watching my sister counsel women that just found out they got lupus that will mm. send you imagine having a healthy body and then all of a sudden all, right and you shut down that's so and tough you can't do anything it is tough mentally it's tough spiritually it's tough so mm-hmm. that's what our foundation that i was telling you about shanti when we were talking that day mm-hmm. that's what we want to do we want to help people live now we want to give people you know we, we we understand you know we need research and stuff like stuff like that but People are dying right now. That's right. So what could we do to ease the pain? What could we do to help it? So my sister actually told me a good uh, 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 thing for the mind. What did she just say? She said oil, uh, essential oils like the lavender and peppermint mm-hmm. are good alternatives to take to help with depression. Mm-hmm. The so all these yep. little, yeah, yeah. She was, my sister gets acupuncture. I, I learned how to meditate. Like literally, yeah. these are all great self-care. Yeah, they are. Absolutely, it revives, yes. it revives your senses, right? Yeah. If you're kind of smelling things, yes. right? And my yes. mother was doing that actually. Brain. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have a question yeah, for but- you. Um. Speaking of you, to piggyback a little bit, you said black women hold up the world, and that kind of can feel like a heavy weight. Mm-hmm. And to know that black women right now are kill- and have been historically, but are getting moments to be recognized of how they've been killing it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But can you speak to the the pressures that it might how it feels psychologically even to know that you have the weights of being a mother, but you're also in a very high intense industry in a career where people are always looking and there's even added pressures to that. How do you, how do you cope with that balance? Cause you said you like balance. Okay. What is- very simple. And it's a very simple thing. I realize every day I wake up and open my eyes, I have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. I realize that just like how I'm resp- I have to be responsible to brush my teeth, take a shower, mm-hmm. make sure my daughter goes to school, make sure I take care of the dog, pay the mortgage, pay. I have to be responsible with how I carry myself. Mm. I have to be responsible when I walk out my front door, how I'm seen, how I look. 
it's just a responsibility. And um, when I realized that I had so many young people looking at, like when Martin went into syndication, we didn't know what we had on Martin. We didn't know, mm. like we were just going to work every day, <laughs> laughing, cracking jokes, doing all of this stuff and having fun. And then when we went into syndication, after we were canceled and we went into syndication and this little like seven year old Indian boy walked up, uh, up to me and was like, hi, you are Pam. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it scared the mess out of me because I'm like, little kids are watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and wow. by this time it's like, oh, wow. And so I realized the, the, uh, the, the, the impact that mm-hmm. our work on Martin and just what we were doing, having fun, how it impacted so many people's lives mm-hmm. and what, you know, laughter to so many people. So I always remember that moment because it ain't just about me. Mm-hmm. God right. has blessed True. me to do what I yeah, love I doing. That. So I have a responsibility That's right. of mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So you got to take on your responsibility, but the balance comes in is where you don't take on. Um, this is another thing I learned, and this is what and this really helped me when I this I got this epiphany when I was talking to a friend about their business and they had a problem with something that was going on, and literally because I internalized, I start taking on that shit. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, I start taking on, and I said. Once you realize that every problem ain't your problem, right, Ooh, right, you gotta that get out of that habit too. Right, we gotta get out of that habit. Mm-hmm. There's a way to help your fellow man, but you ain't gotta get in everything. Mm-hmm. Stay out of it and limits. help the person whoever is going through. I, because I, we, a lot of us, we, I, I say this world is made up of givers and takers. Either you a giver or you a taker. But I'd rather be a giver. So mm-hmm. when I got depressed and when I got to that bottom. That, that floor, that, that bottom that I just did not see any way out. There was nowhere else to go but up. But mm-hmm. I had nothing else to give. Yeah. So until you have nothing else to give right. and you have that feeling. So, that you know, motherhood saved my life with that because I learned how to place everything because now my daughter comes first. Mm-hmm. And my daughter tell, comes before, before yeah, any I relationship. Yeah, I always she comes my, first. Um, my mm-hmm. patients, right, that givers have to set limits because takers never will. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. Givers have have to set the limits around how you can be available and accessible to other people because people in this world will take and they'll just keep on taking. That's what they do. Yeah. Right. You have to set your own limits to to take care of yourself, to protect yourself, to protect your time, your energy, your whatever you need to protect. Um, So you have to set those limits for yourself. And you know your limits better than anybody else does. Man. Self-preservation is very important. And it's so important. I think. And as black women, we need to learn that it's okay. To be, and it's not being selfish. It's being it's giving balance mm-hmm. in your life. It's, it's okay. okay, and it's okay to I I learn how to tell people, hey, listen, I got a lender ear, but I can't lend. I can't give you no money. That's the limit. I I learned the power of no. Right. That's mm-hmm. very that no is a very powerful. Yes, it word. is. It is a complete sentence. A, when you become a parent. You learn how to say no. I say no every day. I'm like, no. Look at it. No, no you're <laughs> So that's why my daughter saved my life. She taught me how, where everything needs to be placed in order for mm. me and her to have a, a fruitful life. And what a beautiful relationship, to- y'all. I remember when that child was born. I feel so old. But I'm just, I, I so love the relationship y'all have now. 
Oh my God. And it's, it's, it's kind of like, you listen, it ain't easy. Trust me. <laughs> That's why I told Elijah, I said, you know, we have to start showing some of our faults so people could see what we go through. That's you right. know, even when we're, she teach, she's teaching me as well as I'm teaching her. Mm-hmm. But there are things that, that we, we realize that this is a process together. Like she, I even have to teach her how to trust me still because children are born we're trusting, but mm-hmm. then when they go off to school and they get their little clicks in class and all this, you know, they're getting their own little lives. Now she's, you know, growing. She's coming of age. She's mm-hmm. 14 now. Mm-hmm. So she's starting her own little life. So me as her mother, I have to be able to balance. Okay, she has individuality. She mm-hmm. has all these things, but I'm still her mother. That's so right. I have to dig my heels in and do what I got to do. And I'm not always going to get it right. I, I even told her, I said, Elijah, I'm not always going to get it right, but just know that I'm this one person on this earth that will die for you without a batter, in a bat of an eye. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's where I base everything upon that. So when the more I put that in her brain, the more she understands. It's not that I'm trying to harm her because I want her to not go, you know, out to the mall because she wants to. I'm teaching her responsibility mm-hmm. and you balance. Stay home and do and balance. Yeah. Everything has to be balanced. There you and go. Balance is so important. Even when I used to be a workout buff, my, my trainer used to tell me, no, you got to do everything even. You don't want mus- one muscle to be bigger than the other. So we, right. don't, we don't have balance when it comes to our mental state. We mm-hmm. always have, we have to be mindful mm-hmm. of our mental state. I like working in happy environments. You know what I mean? Ooh, I like nice. even this forum, Chat Shanti. This is great that you're doing. Oh. I was there when you thought about this I idea. Know. You know what I'm saying? This is awesome. This Thank is you. Outlet. This is yeah. This is awesome. So so I you know, know I gotta ask you, you in front of every. Okay, so next Saturday is officially National Silence and Shame <laughs> Day, and we're asking people to. Um, to donate, you know, $5 minimum, but more importantly, to, sh- to post on social media. So, you know what would be a dream come true if you and your daughter could do a video for us on May 5th? Um, you can post from anywhere where you are or you can record it earlier and post it on that day. Um, but it's National Silence and Shame Day out. Get you all the information. And you can just say, hey, guys, is- we're silencing the shame. You can talk about balance. You can talk about self-care in a quick little one-minute video. But that would mean the world to us if y'all could do that 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 is not a problem especially since you put me on the spot (laughs) she know what she doing she know what she doing you know i love you t i don't ask for much you know that's not a problem at all so my sister's listening and they make sure you make sure we do that and I, look, I'm going to hit Nick and, and get her the information, too. But before we get you off the phone, tell us what you're doing. What can we expect from Tashina? I know you're taping so much. you got so much going on. But let us know and let everybody know where to follow you. Yes. Well, they can, I'm, I uh, own my name, praise the Lord. So it's Tashina Arnold, P-I-C-H-I-N-A-A-R-N-O-L-D. On all social media, I have uh, Instagram, I have Twitter, and I have Facebook that I'm about to delete, but I have Uh-oh. Facebook. But I'm mainly on uh, <laughs> I'm mainly on uh, on on Instagram, and okay. I just like you know Instagram is my and uh, the tw- you know a lot of times I'm on Twitter. Twitter, yeah. And I'm what are you Instagram filming right now? What are you working on? So I am working. I'm about to shoot a film. I don't know if I can say the name of the film. Oh, that's yet. you can just say you're filming something know. new. That's fine. Yeah. Yep. I'm filming something. Yes. In San Francisco. Nice. And uh, I just finished a pilot with Cedric the Entertainer. Nice. Oh, oh I love that. Oh, 
It just keeps yeah. getting better. Yes, I play his wife, so hopefully we get a pickup. It's on CBS Network, on the CBS Network. And uh, what else am I And is doing? that rumor I'm true? Yeah, I was about to ask. Wait, you know I got to ask. What's up with this Martin reboot? Is, is this true? real or is this what's up? Listen, we are, we are talking about oh it. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. We're trying to... We're trying to we're talking about it. We're trying to make it happen because you know everybody has separate schedules. Like, of course, you know, Tisha just did Regina King pilot, so oh, you know no. everybody's doing their own thing. So we're just gonna we're gonna we're trying to work something out, even if we come up with oh something God, that's that like a limited run. Yep. Yeah, you know we don't we don't we're not trying to redo anything. That's what right, we want right, to do right. is breathe breathe life into what we had and just kind of. Um, you know, see what we see what we take because some things are better left alone, and then some things aren't. So it's like if all the cards fall where they should fall, then we'll, there'll definitely be a modern reboot. If not, wow. you know, but just know that we're we're talking about it. I we're love it. Well, let me say this much: yeah. I met Tisha when I was a sophomore at Syracuse in what nineteen ninety one, and came out to you know I spent the the week summer break. Um, out on set and got to come out to y'all show and that's when I got to first meet yep. you. Y'all had like the, yep. the most, The it was just so much love on set and the crew and mm-hmm. you know, nobody treated me like this little snotty nosed kid rolling around. Like mm-hmm. it was just all love and I mean, just kudos to you guys for your spirit Um, and, and thank you for your friendship. You. you and Tisha have been just amazing, you know, yeah. women in my life and I'm just y'all so, are legends so grateful in culture. to you guys. Legends, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, thank legends. you, Chauncey. That's you know we got you know, stories from I, from T's wedding on uh, down. I can't even honey, talk about the the honey. memories. Alana <laughs> <laughs> just sent me her wedding. Like uh, I don't know if you went to Alana's wedding, but Alana just sent me her. her uh, like I, I was looking through all her old wedding Aww. pictures. It's just crazy. I tell everybody, I tell all my friends, kids that are now looking older than me. I said, listen, do not call me auntie in public. I said, do not call me auntie in public. I still look good. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, T. We love you. We appreciate no. you. Um, thank you for having me. Thank you to your guests as well. Nice meeting all of you. Uh, thank you. Well. It's a pleasure. <laughs> All right, love you, girl. I'll talk to you soon. I uh, love you too. Be blessed. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh man, what a great episode. Ah, this was awesome. Excellent. That was awesome. I know we went a little bit longer. I'm no, grateful okay. to you guys for hanging around. Um, Dr. Ayana Abrams, yes. please tell us how we can reach you. Um, if you got any special things going on, if you're writing any blogs or whatever, because I just love your perspective. Um, I think you. you um, She's definitely, definitely going to be writing for Beyond Her. <laughs> She'll be she'll be submitting her article soon. I'm 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 now her spokesperson. Now wonderful. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, so my name is Dr. Ayanna Abrams. I'm a psychologist located in Decatur. The name of my practice is um, Ascension Behavioral Health. You can find me on Facebook at Ascension Behavioral Health LLC. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Dr. Underscore Ayana Underscore A, which is D R Underscore A Y A N N A Underscore A. Um, as Shanti said earlier, you know next um, next week begins um, Mental Health Month, so I'm actually working with one of my best friends and colleagues, um, and we are creating an online um, platform for Black women to talk about vulnerability. Oh, oh I love it. Hey. So it will be called Not So Strong. Um, I, like I like that. that. We are creating the space for women to to seek their strength and kind of seek their empowerment through being human and through being vulnerable. 
Well, you know we're going to support you. Yes, so. So absolutely. So look Every out for that. Possible. I'm really, really excited about that. Um, so, again, we're going to start launching that beginning on Tuesday. So, again, look out for that. Not so strong. But, again, find me on Instagram or Facebook. On my free, website. how can we find you? I am Free The Vision everywhere. Uh, FreeTheVision.com, <laughs> <laughs> at FreeTheVision, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, holla at me. I'm always around. And as I mentioned, you know, we're kicking off National Mental Health Awareness Month for the month of May. Um, we got a lot going on. I'm going to be on the Breakfast Club next yes. week talking about Silence of Shame Day and on Sister Circle Live. So shout out to my girl, Rashawn Ali, for that. We're truly excited. Hey. On Saturday, if you're in the Atlanta I, area, you I can come this. to the gathering spot and volunteer at our Textathon. But it's a virtual Textathon, so you can text to give right where you are. If you're listening right now, you can take out your phone and text the word SILENCE to 707 070. Um, all donations are tax deductible and they will help us to create programs and increase resources around mental health um, through our Hip Hop Professional Foundation and the Silence of Shame movement. We're really, really excited. Also, um, I'm going to be um, hosting a mental wellness um, panel discussion um, that the NFL Players Association and the NFL are doing here in Atlanta. Oh, wow. So email me if you want some information about that. Much They're going to have some wonderful panels set up. Also, we're doing a panel discussion on May 9th at the Auburn Avenue Research Library called The Soundtrack of Mental Health. Mm-hmm. We're doing it uh, in partnership with Music Cares, which is the foundation arm of the Grammys. We got Brian Michael Cox, the super producer, Mama Jan Smith, um, Dave Lighty, who is the brother of the late, great Chris yeah. Lighty. Um, so, I mean, just a lot of great stuff. Oh, we're doing a 12K, I mean a 5K. Are you? 12K. May 12th in Harlem. We're partnering with Harlem Run and oh. doing our first 5K. Nice. It just keeps getting better. I will be better. in New York that weekend. So we want you to Get come. Get your running shoes, yes, good doc. Get your running shoes so on. So when I say we working. Yeah, we out in these we streets. Working. We out um, in these but streets. But more importantly, you guys, post, share, videos, Silence of Shame Day, May 15th. We need you guys, everybody posting um, on social media. So thank you again for everyone that has supported us. Make sure when you listen to the podcast that you rate and review it because all of those help. And subscribe. And until the next time, continue to silence the shame, peace, love, and light. If you or anyone you love needs a hand, please shine light on the darkness. Spark the conversation. It's time we silence the shame. Let's talk about it.